1: Welcome all to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. My name is Jake English, and here, toughing it out, being the bulldog, gutting out a tough performance, is Scott Magnus. More on that later. Today is May 5th, 2014, and this is episode 76. Now, if you're listening to my voice, you're more than likely finding us at our website, which is birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Also possible, Scott, that they have found us at the Baltimore Sports Report Network, which can be found at baltimoresportsreport.com slash network. Scott, I'm going to stop us right here. I want to talk about something that happened this week. I want to talk about something that happened this week on Reddit, okay? Uh, I'm a, a frequent reader of the uh, Orioles subreddit. On Reddit, Uh, I'm not so much a contributor, but I like to lurk, as the kids say. Uh, Somebody posted this week, hey, uh, I'm familiar with Bird's Eye View, but I was wondering, what's your favorite Orioles podcast? And I was put in an awkward position, because I didn't want to really respond and seem like an attention whore. Like you are. Though I am. Yeah. Um, So I responded to this person uh, separately. You know, I sent him a private message, and I said, as follows. First of all, thank you for knowing about this show. We really appreciate it. Um, you fool. But secondly, if you're into Orioles podcasts, you need to be listening to the Baltimore Sports Report Network because here's what we got going on. We got five great shows about the Orioles plus a hockey show. All right? I don't even know about that, but it sounds great. Why did you even have to bring that up? And it's five shows about the Orioles that have a different perspective, that, that brings something different to the table there's a big difference between it's like four
0: and the spastics are on the dl
1: so well, it's it, it, you know the spastics the Baltimoreans, the yeah. bsr podcast section 336 they all have a different voice and i think each has a valuable voice in this this fabric of baltimore sports fandom and, and orioles fandom and you know so i i told this person on on the subreddit i said you've got to listen to the baltimore sports Port network beyond just how great these shows are Everybody releases on a different day, so you can listen all week and get something new just about every day of the week.
0: So, are you done like shamelessly self promoting now? I'm not self promoting, Scott.
1: I'm, this is all love for the Baltimore Sports Board. Network, okay, all right. I just want to say I just that want to are, point
0: out that the post started with Bird's Eye View.
1: <laughs> but the thing was, I wasn't sure if it was I'm familiar with Bird's Eye View and I'm sick of them, or if it was I'm I'm familiar with Bird's Eye View and I'm a fan of them. I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to ask because I didn't want to know.
0: I think we know our answer.
1: It's it's kind of like, uh, you ever watch those those Cialis or Viagra commercials, and they say, ask your doctor if your heart is so healthy enough for sex?
0: Jake, I will always get in a bathtub in the outdoors with you.
1: You never want to ask that question.
0: About the bathtub outdoor with you? No,
1: you never want to ask your doctor if your heart is healthy enough for sex. If you were at the point in which you were asking your doctor that, there's a chance he's going to tell you no, and there is no point in living. Or he's that.
0: going to tell you, let's try it out.
1: <laughs> and really... In those com- Now that you've got me started, on those commercials, is there any less likely place you could find two-clawed tubs? Mm. It's like on the side of a cliff. They're all outdoors. Who does that?
0: Some really good plumbers.
1: <laughs> all right. What the hell are we talking about here? I think I we were w- talking about an Orioles podcast. <laughs> I was saying how much we are pleased to be a proud member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network, and we encourage everyone to go find them at baltimoresportsreport.com slash network.
0: And I'm also going to jump in here, too, and just kind of talk about Baltimore Sports Report. You're going to be making appearances in the upcoming days, too, because we're going to be starting Orioles post-game shows again. So I think it's important for us to mention of, hey, you don't just get to see us once a week. Now you get to see us maybe twice or three times a week. Well, it's not just you and I, Scott. And
1: here's the value of the post-game shows that you're going to find on BSR. First of all, love the work that Zach Wilt is doing over there at BSR. And his YouTube presence, which is Channel BSR, is going to be the home for the, uh, the post-game shows on BSR. It's not going to be you and I chatting like it's Bird's Eye View every week. Thank God. I know, really. <laughs> it's going to be a cross of different hosts on the different shows on uh, the Baltimore Sports Support Network. And it's going to be on Tuesday and Thursday. Every Tuesday and Thursday, 15 to 30 minutes after the game, depending on how much time we need to recover from a horrible loss or how much time we just can't wait to get there after a great win. Uh, 15 to 30 minutes after the game, you're going to have a show. It's going to be about 30 minutes long. It's going to be
0: at least one host from a couple of different shows. Wait, wait, wait. So you're telling me that there's a possibility that you, Sam, and Alan could all be on the same show? Oh, it's possible.
1: And frankly, if I play my cards right, it's going to work
0: out. Okay, my wife is literally salivating upstairs. I can just see the moisture coming through the floor (laughs) right now.
1: So the important part here is not Scott's wife, but instead it is the Baltimore Sports Report Network's. Post game shows, which can be found at Channel BSR, we start tomorrow, which is Tuesday night, or today if you're listening on Tuesday. I don't know how this works. Tuesdays and Thursdays each week, we may do more. I mean, it may get to the point where we just can't contain ourselves on a Wednesday and we have to do a post game show,
0: but you can take it to the bank. All right. Tuesdays and Thursdays. Jake, you've blown this intro. So I'm going to step in here. You know, if you really want to follow us, you know, go follow us I on Twitter. To, I thought we had to blow the same. You no, know, Jake, you blew the intro. So everyone <laughs> just go follow us on Twitter to keep up to date with what we're doing on a day in and day out basis. Follow us at Birds Eye View, B A L on Twitter. We'll give you the links over to Baltimore Sports Report. You can also find us at facebook.com slash B E V And you should also go and rate us at iTunes. Give us a five star rating. Let's move on. Actually, can I stop you for no, a second? No, Jake, we're moving on. I have a grievance. Okay. Jake.
1: You've got 10 seconds. You tried to give away tickets, and the person that you tried to give the tickets away to on Twitter, now now that we've got 1,000 followers, failed to respond to you after several tries. Scott, you've got to
0: give these tickets away. We're going to get to that at the end. Did I just blow it? You just blew it again. I am (laughs) terrible at this intro. We're going to get to it, so everyone has to listen to the end. There will be any chance for anyone that actually listens to this podcast to win those tickets. Really? I'm serious. Okay.
1: It's like we planned this. Yeah. All right. With that being said, Scott, I want to just point out that, again, people should not forget that we've got an Amazon banner at the bottom of birdseyeviewbaltimore.com.
0: And that is a great way if you're going to buy
1: whatever it is. And I'm not Jake, gonna- we're
0: seven minutes into the show already, and we're just sitting This is shameless self promotion. This is like section 336. Let's move on. I want to talk about my drink, okay?
1: <laughs> Please buy stuff on, on Amazon. And if you do, click through our link. Scott, what are you drinking for this week's drink of the week? No, you start first.
0: Okay. Scott, I am drinking a gin and tonic. I brought the tonic. You supplied the gin. Thank you, sir. Okay. Well, as Jake made reference to, um, I'm feeling a little under the weather. In fact, I thought that I might have to go on a DL stint and we were going to have to call someone from Norfolk to, uh, fill in for my spot. Um, however, I had a miraculous recovery, um, by
2: taking, oh.
0: yeah, by taking some medication. And no, it's not the medication that you would expect of like Pepto Bismol or anything like that. It's the 19th century cure of gin tonic. And some mint leaves. And I feel perfectly fresh and I feel like I could do anything in the world right now. Probably even hit better than most of the orals could this past weekend. Yikes. Um so you know, with that, I, I think it's time we go into the medical wing. So All let's right. let's talk the medical wing. Chris Davis, you know, was gonna come off the DL possibly by May eleventh. He was out there on the field this past weekend kind of doing some Uh, fundamental fitness, kind of doing high knee kicks and kind of being given strength and resistance training to it. It was kind of interesting to see. He didn't really look like he was, you know, labored at all. Um, But the only thing Davis came afterwards and said was, you know, he really felt that oblique injury when he was throwing the ball around the diamond. And with that, I'd say, you know, Chris, all you need to do is catch the ball. Just roll the ball back to the pitcher when you're done, okay? Um, Kevin Gossman actually also had a really interesting week, I think, in terms of the medical wing. Um, he started out basically having a strain. He basically woke up in the middle and said he had a hard time breathing and said, oh, you know, we might have some, you know, interstitial muscle strain. And then it came out to be, oh, he just has pneumonia. What? Yeah. So
1: first he thought it was an oblique. Well, they then guess- he thought it was an intercostal strain. Yeah. It became
0: pneumonia. And is the next step the plague? No. They just basically said, well, Kevin, you know, you've got a strain. It's it's bad. You know, you'll probably be out for a few weeks. And he's just like, Shit. And then they came back and they're like, you know, we actually reviewed the MRI and um, it's not that. So it's, it's just pneumonia.
1: As it turns out, you're fine, except that you're not.
0: Yeah. And then, well, actually, pneumonia is great. It's, you know, it's just okay. That sucks, but at least it's not a muscle strain. Oh, it's just pneumonia? It's just pneumonia.
1: Again, are you keeping your diploma on the wall of the Holiday and Express that you stayed at last
0: night? Excuse me. I'm drinking my 19th century medication <laughs> here. <laughs>
1: All right, snake oil salesman. Anything else of note in the medical wing? Um,
0: I've got an, a note down here where Henry Urias is injured. And what's going on with that? He's got a... <laughs> something, something, something. I don't care. He's
1: he's on the seven-day minor league DL. He's got something wrong with him. I don't know. He's probably just taking care
0: of his wife that just had his like eighth children child.
1: You know what it is? He has no idea how to operate Twitter. Yeah. Or Instagram. Do you have any idea how many uh, pound signs he uses in his posts a lot somebody needs to explain
0: that to him well maybe that's what he has he has hashtag fever <laughs> he
1: came down with the hashtag
0: um guys without really no other updates besides they're they're getting better um michael amonzar yeah egmar escalona francisco puero nolan rymold are all kind of going through extend spring training
1: oh nolan rymold's still alive yeah
0: nolan rymold's still, oh, still alive awesome um You know, once these guys actually are close to coming up or anything, we'll talk about it. But honestly, folks, do you really care? Let's move on to something a little bit more important. Let's go to the twat. This week in the Twitters. Look, I know we're a little late. On the Twitters? It's not twit. It's twat. This week on the Twitters. Thank you. Excuse me, sir. I'm all about prepositions here. Are
1: you going to preposition me in the twat? I am. I know that turns you on a little bit. All right. I know we're a little late on this, but I just wanted to pay some attention to the Robinson Cano thing. First of all, uh, did you see the Tonight Show with Robinson Cano appearance?
0: I did. That was Jimmy Fallon is um, as much as I hate him for being a Yankees fan and also a Red Sox fan in a previous life. It was a pretty great segment. Um, if anyone didn't get to see it, it was. Robinson Cano basically hiding out behind a picture of him and Yankees fans coming up and booing his picture and then him stepping back out and every single Yankees fan saying, Oh, oh, that's nice to meet you, Robinson. Just hey, shaking his hand. Hey, Robin? how you doing? It's nice to see you. <laughs> I wish you all the best,
1: but I hope you lose tonight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was, it was really funny. It was really well done. Uh, showed a great, uh, sense of humor by him. But that having been said, uh, Robinson Cano's ironic return to the Bronx. And here's why it was ironic because uh let me just read a couple tweets here. Uh the first from Keith Olbermann at Keith Olbermann. Booze for Cano in return to Yankee Stadium outnumbering cheers two to one. I mean that literally there are about three people in Yankee <laughs> Stadium. Yeah. That's that's funny on many levels. Yeah. yeah. The second one here uh was retweeted by uh Jay Jaffe, Jay Jaffe of yeah. uh uh Sports Illustrated. The original tweet came from Matthew Callan, which is at Scratch Bomb. Yankees fans shouting, uh, chanting, you sold out at Robinson Cano. Chance cluster and form black hole of irony
0: from which no light can escape. Yeah. That's perfect. That That's is a perfect statement. It's pretty Poorly good. Poorly read, but perfect yeah. statement. I was at a conference last week, and uh, that prevented me from going to see certain single-mission double letters. But I got to meet a lot of Yankees fans down there at this conference. And every single time this I came across one, I basically raised this point to them. And every single one basically had the same comment of, well, he shouldn't have left. And I'm like, are you kidding me?
1: How's that Mark Teixeira thing working yeah. out for you? I was like,
0: are you kidding and me? And the
1: Brian McCann thing working out for you.
0: And I basically said, And the Ellsbury yeah. thing working out for you. I was like, that you. is such a hypocritical statement that you would make that. And they are just like, look, once you're a Yankee, you're a Yankee for life. And I was like, that's Ooh. such <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> that's such bullshit. <laughs> that's,
1: it may, no, it may be true, because once you're a Yankee, nobody else wants right. you again. Plus, you only get there once you're old and decrepit anyway. Right, exactly. And, you know, you have to stay alive on unicorn blood and all that.
0: All right, let's move past dark magic, and let's move to the return of Steve Pierce. Look,
1: someone near and dear to my heart, Steve Pierce, the only Oriole— Who the hell? The only Oriole, by the way, that follows uh, the Bird's Eye View Twitter account, Steve Pierce was released and re-signed by the Orioles, uh, fake Oriole Bird, which is at fake Oriole Bird, and a fantastic follow. If you're not doing it, you need to be. He shouted, I assume because it's all caps Orioles signed Steve Pierce for the eighth time. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I know he gave the whole one game at a time response to the media, but he went out of his way to make sure he re signed with the Orioles. He elected free agency once he uh, was released, he was claimed by the Blue Jays. He elected free agency, worked out a deal with the Orioles. He came back. He said, you know, he loves the team. He loves his teammates. He wants to be here. I think it's awesome. Anybody that says F-
0: Canada is okay in my book.
1: <laughs> it's also the thing that, um, you know, Steve Pierce, he knows that Buck Showalter values him. He knows that Buck Showalter values his ability to play multiple positions, to come off the bench fresh. He knows that one of his best chances of being on a playoff team is with the Orioles. He has a comfort level here, and so he also knows the game. He's Steve Pierce. He's going to be your 24th, 25th guy on any team. He would prefer to be here where he's a known commodity rather than going off and making another fresh start. i got to give a shout-out. Steve Pierce, I'm glad to have you back in Birdland.
0: Another situation with uh, the state of the American League East, and this is from J. Jaffe again. Um, it was, At Yankee Stadium to see whether what's left of C. Sabathia is less than what's left of Eric Bedard. Good times. I love that. <laughs> it's like uh, the AL East has been department. Ooh, reminiscing. Reminiscing of 2009. Um, other topics was, Bird's Eye View as a game log?
1: Yeah, this was a cool tweet. It came from Christine Taylor, who uh, tweets, at ChrissyTaylor74. She tweeted out, experiencing the end of the O's game via Twitter, at FakeBuck, at Bird's View, B-A-L. And, you know, I, I don't presume to be in the head of our Twitter followers or, or any of our friends out there on Twitter, but I think what happens is that several hours after one of the games this week ended, she must have been off at work or something. Yeah. She came back because it was like 4 in the morning or something ridiculous like that and basically experienced the end of the game through her Twitter feed. And frankly, if you are out there and Bird's Eye View is a part of your Twitter baseball experience, I'm just going to, you know, for Scott and I, we are flattered. Thank you for reading. Thank you for listening. And I hope that, you know, it brings a smile to your face during the worst times. I hope it helps you pump your fists during the best times.
0: Again, more shameless self promotion.
1: No 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 no. That was just a thanks.
0: Okay. But speaking of shameless let's get to really self let, let's get to really shameless self promotion. And that's Ben freaking McDonald. So we were talking about this on Friday night at your house and we were talking when uh WBL radio came on because we had listened to the radio because someone doesn't have a TV low- anymore in their living room so we could watch the Orioles game. Um anyway, moving on past that. Um, I'm not even. I'm not even going to get into that. It's best
1: my children don't suck their faces into the television. I'm. I've made peace
0: with it. So anyway, um, we were talking. And I was like, you know, whatever happened to Ben McDonald on WBO Radio? You know, I really thought he was a really great contributor whenever he was doing color commentary. I just really enjoyed him. And we responded to Casey Willett and asked him, you know, where's Ben McDonald? Where has he been? And he responded back to us basically saying he's around. And we respond back, we would really love to hear him again in the near future. And Ben McDonald pops out of nowhere and says, sign me up. I'm ready to see the big boys play some games. Hashtag go O's. And then follows us in the process. Oh, Gotta say, that's pretty freaking awesome. Now, Scott, are you okay over there? Do you,
1: are your pants tight about this?
0: I'm a little excited.
1: Um, Will you explain to the listeners a little bit about your experience with, with Ben McDonald? Sure.
0: So back when I was a kid... You know, everybody was a Cow Ripkin fan. When Ben McDonald was coming up and we signed him, I was a big Ben McDonald fan because I thought he was going to be the next big thing.
1: Because you like a lot of balls in your hand.
0: Well, I just figured, you know, he was being represented by Scott Boris. He's got to be the next big thing. <laughs> so anyway, you know. It for helps her, me so yeah, much. For Halloween the one year, I basically make myself like a little placard, just like the guy with a sandwich board. And I basically stick my head through it. And the hanging Chad costume. Yeah, basically. But <laughs> it's basically a baseball card instead. So I basically make this upper deck baseball card of Ben McDonald's rookie card, and I basically pop through it. And I'm pretty much the only kid walking around there. Like, I'm sorry, your your face popped through it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, okay, just my face. It wasn't big enough. My, you know, it hadn't dropped yet. So, <laughs> I apologize. Yeah. I'm sorry to have gone there. Ben McDonald wasn't bald. I mean, <laughs> so you made this costume. Go so anyway, anyway, Ben McDonald was, you know, a big favorite of mine as a kid. In fact. He was one of the first baseball cards that I had, you know, growing up. I basically bought some of his rookie cards and also collected some of his minor league rookie cards when he was going through the, uh, going through the minor leagues. I think it was, um, I think it was the Harrisburg Sons is the rookie cards I had of him when he was in the minor league. So he was a player that I really, really liked. And he was the one that really got me into collecting baseball cards and kind of get me into a greater depth for baseball as opposed to just being like, Oh, I listen to baseball because that's what my dad does. That t- that tugs in the heartstrings. Yeah. So Ben McDonald following us, pretty awesome. Hagerstown, Hagerstown son. Hagerstown son, thank you. Yeah. All
1: right. That'll do. That'll do it for the twat this week. We're going to bring this to a close. Scotty, play some music. All right. Let me try.
0: Hey Scott. Hey, what? That was absolutely horrible. By the way, excuse me. That's horrible. What? <laughs> That's horrible.
1: Scott, I love this song. <laughs> that was
0: horrible. Yes,
1: this your oldies infused Beatles fan <laughs> loves this song. Oh my god, that was horrible. <laughs> really? That was horrible. Scott, you have no soul. All right, <laughs> oh, Scott. My god, guess who's back? Steve Pierce. No, we've dealt with this. No, okay, guess who's back? Um, Manny Machado. Roll out the orange carpet. All your woes are behind you. Ladies and gentlemen, Manny Machado has returned. He made his much anticipated return in the second game of the doubleheader against the Pirates. Whoa, whoa,
0: whoa. Timeout, timeout. I just want to point out that him not showing up in the first game caused an absolute firestorm of uh, people being like, Where the hell is Manny? That's because they're idiots.
1: Anyway, <laughs> he showed up in the second game of the Pirates game on Thursday. Walter held him out of the lineup for game one. He he thought that it was a a little much to ask the young
0: Machado, as Britt Geroli would say. I think he just had to prove himself at that point.
1: To play uh, third base for uh, 18 innings on his first day back. Here's the thing
0: about the game.
1: Did you you watch that game?
0: I did not get to see the afternoon game. I was um, streaming it on the radio through my phone at a cocktail hour with the Yankees fans constantly coming up to me. And me saying, go f*** off. The best thing about that game was Manny Machado's
1: first at bat. And when he strode to the plate, both the radio broadcast and the television broadcast said, we know we love the sound of our own voices, but we're going to shut up for a minute. We're going to join Ryan Wagner in the booth. We're going to listen to the introduction, and we're going to play you a minute solid, at least. Of Camden Yards, welcome of Manny Machado, and if you haven't listened to it, we're going to put a link in the show notes about uh, both the the radio and
0: the the television broadcast. It, it gave me goosebumps. It did. So I'm going to take um, that Jim Hunter wasn't doing uh, the announcing that night. <laughs> I don't have any idea, but because there's uh, no way he could have been cut quiet for at it, least it was, a it, was Joe Angel, it was Joe Angel who was doing the play by play. Okay, um, so you're talking about WBL radio. This wasn't on Masson. Oh, both. Oh, it was both. It, it was they, both. They based- both went exact- absolutely quiet, and they just let the crowd kind of respond. Yes.
1: Okay. And it was nice. It was nice. And it was cool because you watched Manny kind of like trying to play it off, you know, like stepping out, taking a couple Stop swings. Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. But he, uh, you know, he was, he was loving it. The crowd was loving him. And it was just, when you think back to that moment when he rounded first last year. Oh, he didn't round it. And he got hurt. And how terrible you felt and how how awful it must have been for him cuz remember he came out and said i thought my career was over it was a great moment for baltimore baseball it really was and and if you don't remember how terrible it was go back and listen we had to record a podcast that evening we we watched the game where he got hurt and then we like turned on the mics and we were like uh, everything sucks we did a cold open that night which was pretty good yeah but Manny Machado, he thought his career was over. I mean, it was just... Hello,
0: darkness, my old friend. To
1: come back from that to that to that evening of, of him receiving that welcome, it was awesome. Um, but, you know, it was not a matter of him solving all the team's problems. Uh, Machado ended up grounding out to the shortstop in that first at-bat on the way to an 0-for-5 evening. And though he made his presence known in the field, it, it hasn't all been sunshine and light. What I will say is that defensively, he looks back. He he took a dive he took a headlong dive in foul territory and he didn't make it. But he's been cutting <laughs> Excuse off Excuse me?
0: What what happened there?
1: He took a headlong dive and uh-huh. he didn't
0: make it. What 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 was that? He didn't make it.
1: But he popped right
0: back up. Oh well that's great.
1: And if you're an Oriole
0: fan and you didn't hold your breath while Manu Machado hit the ground, you don't know what's up. Okay, so I just heard the comment of he's back. But he made a headlong dive into territory, but he didn't make it. So he also okay. has been cutting off J.J.
1: Hardy in the infield. You're That's right.
0: how I know he's back. He, you're right. He has been doing that. And he's also had had some wildly inconsistent throws to first base as well.
1: I disagree. I disagree wholeheartedly. I think that his throws have been strong. And yes, he's made uh, an error. Is it two? Has he made two errors? Uh, I, think was, I
0: think it's two errors, actually. Okay.
1: So he's made a couple errors since coming back. But he looks back defensively. There is no question in my mind that Manny Machado is the third base presence that he was last year. Only
0: one error, by the way.
1: No, no mobility issues, no range issues. Like I said, he's been cutting off the shortstop, and it's been kind of funny to watch because JJ Hardy's been holding down the fort over there. And you know, when Manny's there, he can cheat towards second base. But that hasn't been the case while he's been dealing with the the, the crew that's been covering third base so far. Manny's starting to cut him off again and I know that's going to lock down that that left side of the infield. All right. My my real question to you, Scott, is what about his offense? Do we need to be concerned about Manny Machado's offensive production cuz he's been he's been a near non-factor.
0: Yes, we need to be concerned about it. This whole aspect of, you know, being positive and being happy, I, I'm sorry. I just I just don't see it. I mean, I'm sorry. You're not happy that Manny Machado is back. I just don't think he's been very good since he's come back.
1: You have lost your ever living mind, Scott Magnus. <laughs> I know you like to argue with me,
0: just to argue with me, but that's crap, and you know it. I'm sorry. I just don't think he's been very good. I think he's just. I, th- I still think he should be in the minor leagues. I'm gonna about to turn off this mic and reach over there and strangle you. I'm sorry. If his name was Ryan Flaherty, I think we'd be giving him <laughs> shit right now. But the thing because is, because he's got big floppy ears, I think we're all like, "Oh, he's
1: got little bitty ears." <laughs>
0: but I just don't think he's been very good the past week, and I just don't understand why everyone's getting so excited about this. I will
1: admit he's got to get his timing back. But the thing is, is that he showed that he could beat a uh, single high single A hitting or pitching. All right, he he put on a clinic down there because he's not a minor league player. Manny Machado is going to take his time getting his timing back and becoming an offensive presence. And Buck Showalter warned us about this. He warned us in one of his post-game conferences that he said, you know, it's going to take some time for Manny to get back, but he represents himself. He presents himself well, and he makes an impact defensively. And
0: that's all I need from him at this point. Can I just point out something too? So I'm just going to come back to, and I know you're going to hate this. So Manny hasn't played a lot of innings so far at third base, but he's played 35 innings so far through this season. And let's look at last year. There is a stat in Saber Metrics called RZR. Do you know what RZR is, Jake? Oh, yeah. It's RZR. is revised zone rating, which is a proportion of balls hit into a fielder zone that he successfully converts into an out. Okay. I will will accept that some people say that that is valuable. Go ahead. So in 2013, Manny Machado had a 818 RZR. Hey, that's pretty good. So far in 2014, Manny Machado has a 700 RZR. So there is a significant drop-off so far in defense. It's even worse than he was in 2012. Have you been watching the games? Um, Again, I didn't see the games in person on Thursday, and I saw a few games this weekend. He's back. Take my word for it. This is coming from the man that made me play Eminem on this podcast. Scott, I have no
1: stats to support this, but look at my eyes right now. Are you going to tell me your gut feels it? He's back. Okay. Defensively, he's back. My question is this. It's taken him a while to get his timing back. It's taken him a while to get back defensively or offensively. Should he be number two in the lineup?
0: No. He should not be number two in the lineup right now. He should be more like, oh, I don't know, 6th or 7th in the lineup. I wholeheartedly agree. I think if Buck's going to
1: let him get back to being himself, he needs to put him lower down the lineup.
0: Yeah, you know, you look at the number two spot, and we've talked about this before, number two spot is such a critical position in terms of having a high on-base percentage player being in that position, and Manny's still trying to figure out his swing. I don't you know, he really needs to be in that 7th hole and just kind of, you know, getting his swing back. I, I don't know what, I don't understand what Buck is thinking of well, he's our number two hitter, but he's not our number two hitter right now. Absolutely. I I wholeheartedly agree with you. The other
1: problem I have is that I think he's putting Machado in the two-hole just so that he can move Nelson Cruz down, who's been en fuego. And maybe he doesn't have a whole lot of better options than Manny Machado for number two. But I think it's not only good for the club, but I think it's good for Manny to drop him down.
0: Oh, I, I, I agree totally. I think he's pressing a lot up there. Um, He, you know, we'll give him a positive here. He is driving the ball pretty well. Let me ask you this last thing. Okay. Manny Machado, he's
1: back. I love seeing number 13 on the field. I love seeing him in the batter's box, even though we're not getting a lot of production from him offensively. As an Oriole fan, nothing is better than the fact that Manny Machado is back. But is the workload going to be every game, every inning from here on out? Or do you think Buck is going to be a little more judicious than that and give him some some time off more so than maybe he would
0: have last year? Mm, I think he'll definitely give him some additional time off because Buck has already come out, you know, at you know Fan Fest this year and saying, "I think we didn't give enough for our players time off." So I definitely think you know Manny's going to get time off, especially when he's recovering from his injury. I don't know if that's going to happen this week because they had the off day today. So, you know, I think he'll play all three games in Tampa Bay, but I don't know, Jake. I need to see something more from him. I think you
1: are absolutely insane, and I refuse to say that there's any credibility to the things you're saying. Scott, I know he's not doing anything for us, but I'd be fine with him not doing anything for us in the
0: eight hole. You're right. I'd be perfectly fine with him doing nothing for us in Norfolk. (sighs) You, sir, wound me, and you wound Manny Machado.
1: Scott, we're done with this conversation. Play some music.
0: i Jake, it was a, a tough, tough weekend in terms of that twin series. You know, coming off the sweep of the uh, double hider, I think everyone had really good feelings. And then we hit Friday's game and, hey, Abuelo Jimenez actually pitched pretty decently. Everyone's just like, oh, right. You know, we, we, things are turning around. And then all of a sudden, you lose two games in a row to the Twins. And there's no offense.
1: Can I stop you for a second? Yeah. I'm still mad at you about the music. Why are you mad at, at this music? Scott, you've turned me against myself.
0: Don't I normally do that?
1: All right, stop. We're talking here about taxing the bullpen. Okay. That's where all this is leading, yes. right? So the the segue there is taxation. Yes. All right, and you went with a cover, a beautiful cover. Yeah of Not in Nottingham by Mumford &
0: Sons yes. from one of my all-time favorite movies. Yes, and in fact, one of Mumford & Sons' favorite movies of all time as it's well. The,
1: it's the best Disney movie there is. They
0: basically said it's the best movie of all time. The animated
1: Robin Hood yes. is one of the like top five movies ever.
0: Okay. I didn't see Cisco and Ebert have them in the, in the top five.
1: Yeah, I'm talking about people that actually matter. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> top five movie ever. Okay. We, we did not go with Taxman...
0: Leading track off of Revolver, yes. One of the best albums of all time, yes. This is a. Oh, problem. speaking of which, I was talking to someone at the conference, and they basically said Revolver is an overrated album. Did you punch that person? <laughs> I did punch the person in the face? I said, well, what is your favorite album?" And they said, "Abbey Road." And I was just like, "I can't have a conversation with you." It's anymore. a great album, but it's, it's not a great. It, it's not Revolver, album. exactly. <laughs> So I'm, I'm just going to say... I'm waiting for the person to come up to me and say, I see a revolver, and they're like, which happened is that? And I'm like, oh! <laughs> if, you, if you present
1: me with a choice between something like Taxman and a great cover of Not in Nottingham again, I, I may explode. Okay. All right, were we talking about the Orioles here? Or we're, we're
0: talking about the Orioles here. um he, he, You know, it was a rough series, and it was such a rough series, and the way it ended with that rubber game that there was a press conference in the other game um, where Buck Showalter spoke out. Um, and I just want to let you listen. I want to let our fans listen to this again if you haven't heard it. I, I did not hear this okay. real time. I just want you to listen to it and see you know, what your thoughts are.
2: In the rubber game today, Miguel kept you in it early, but then it seemed to come away from him in the fifth. Yep, it did. But uh, I don't know what the uh, – uh, he was pretty effective early on. Yeah, he really was. The first time yeah. a, a team sees a guy. He's never pitched against him. You kind of like it. Early on, but they made some adjustments I thought his command got away from match of the first couple of innings. And again, but, you know, this is the first
0: time the Twins actually like had seen was Miguel Gonzalez. A good outing,
2: but, yeah, uh, you know, couldn't hold together. And we keep getting those type of outings. It's going to really put a pressure on, uh, you know, the pieces we have in the bullpen. So that's unfortunate. We uh, we're going to pay that piper if we continue down that road. Well, it was uh, also tough. There were a couple of real close pitches in the fifth, uh, in particular to Kubel. We thought he was struck out. He wasn't. I know you have nothing to control that, but uh, when things are going that way, I guess that's how it goes. Yeah, that'd be a convenient excuse. You For know, a homer. Uh, there were some real close pitches on uh, Scopey that uh, set up uh, you know, a situation. You know, Really, if you look back at the series, we just haven't swung the bats very well. We've hit a lot of balls Ooh, from oh. out there in, in those big alleys in center field, and you know they, they're pitching effectively really to the ballpark. Big stadium. And, you know you can't always dial up certain things you know hughes was a good pickup for them he's going to play well uh, i can't well believe he's this, playing well know, his, <laughs> his effectiveness really plays here in this park but uh, a really big park uh, uh, you know that, that only you know, big um, for is, us yeah far from the, from a problem for us well and the other uh, frustrating part of that uh you know, you you do hit a lot of balls hard, but unfortunately, they go right at fielders, and instead of turning into potential rallies, they turn into outs. Yeah, that that will turn, but uh, you know, we've we had bad, some bats that, uh, you know, that weren't typical, and uh, hopefully, we'll make the adjustment and uh, try to get a night's sleep with an off day that and get our legs back under us a little bit, but. Uh, you know, a little disappointed in that part of it, and you know we got to pitch better. You know we got to pitch better, and, and otherwise some of our bullpen guys are really going to get taxed, and I'm not going to let that happen. I appreciate the visit. Okay, thank you.
0: Yeah. Um, wow. Um, <laughs> Buck was pretty straightforward to the point, and really didn't want to have to deal with Jim Hunter right after that rubber game. So uh, that's actually probably one of the more you know direct and kind of just kind of like get the hell away from me moments from Buck. I mean, yeah, but he's not. He's not very critical of his players,
1: and he was in I that. Know. I interview. like our guys. He he said two things that jumped out of me. Yeah. One, we're not swinging the bats, mm-hmm. and that, that basically says we're not getting it done. And usually, what he does well, you know, got to credit the other guys, and or, or we'll come around. That's he tried baseball. to credit.
0: He tried to credit Phil Hughes in his really big stadium that he's pitching in. No, no, no.
1: He said we're not swinging the bat, and if you pay attention to Buck Showalter across the season, you know that that is uncharacteristic for a post-game interview. Oh yeah. Second of all, he said, our starting pitching is not getting it done. And that means that our bullpen is going to get taxed. And I'm not going to let that happen. Yeah. And if you were watching, you should definitely add the dun-dun-dun.
0: Yeah. It's ooh, got a little hot in here. So, um, I mean, what does he do? Okay, so what can Buck do? Um, okay, we talked about this last week with the bullpen being taxed. We also predicted that Brad Brock could be moved up into the bullpen, and he was moved into the bullpen, and he has demonstrated the ability to have a high strike per nine innings, but he hasn't been very effective so far, um, giving up several hits throughout you know, you know, know, his appearances. And a lot of them have been kind of mop-up duty a little bit, but again, he has a 16.20 ERA, and part of that is due to—
1: That doesn't sound good.
0: Part of that is due to one of the home runs he gave up. He gave up a three-run homer, and that was— That that's going to contribute any time that you give it in a reliever appearance. But he also had a 500 average. So, yes, he didn't really give up the walks, and he did get a lot of strikeouts. Um, But at the same point, there were a lot of hits against him. There were five hits against him in in two-thirds. So, yes, he's got a high strikeout volume. But, again, if there's a lot of people hitting hits off him, not a good sign. And it didn't seem to be confusing people up there at the plate.
1: I don't think we've answered the question.
0: Okay. Buck, Buck Showalter said, I'm not going to let the
1: pen get taxed. So let me ask you this. Does I'm not going to let the pen get taxed mean, one, I'm going to bring up additional arms, mm-hmm. or I'm going to exchange the arms in the bullpen to make sure that these guys are fresh? Right. Or does it mean I'm not going to let these guys in the rotation who aren't pulling their weight stay in the rotation
0: much longer? I think it was really interesting that he used the verbiage right after Gonzo's start because he hasn't really given that kind of statement. Even like, let's go back to um, Thursday's doubleheader game where Chris Tillman threw 50 pitches in the first inning. And I hate to bring that up because that was just, oh my gosh. (sighs) Yeah. But again, he even came out after the end of that game and said... You know, I really was impressed how Tillman was able to come back in multiple innings and at least get through the rest of that game. You know, a lot of pitchers could just never come back out that next inning and, you know, be able to recover. And that was a good spin control on him. This had no spin control on it at all. It was literally, I'm going to lay the smack down and just, you know, slap somebody around.
1: You know. Everything sucks. Yeah.
0: Okay, let's go through our options. And we went through these before. Let's, you know. We would have given consideration that Gossman would have been the individual that possibly could come up, but right now I'm not sure if Gossman's the answer. Like we talked about, he's you know on the DL right now, but not just the DL. He's only been throwing 75 pitches. The Orioles have specifically been limiting his pitches and his inning count in order to not keep get him worn out through the later the season. If it were me, as soon as he comes back from this DL, I throw away that pitch count. I just say you're we're going to throw you up to 100 pitches. We need to start stretching you out. You know, you're out of this DL role. You know, let's get let's get things back together again. I actually want to bring
1: up something that, that came up on the telecast. I think it was the last game. What was the last game? Sunday? Yeah. I think it was Sunday. It may have been Saturday. But I think it was Sunday that came up on the mass and telecast. They were talking about Zach Britton. And apparently Bordy or Hunter, I think it was Bordick, had been talking to Zach Britton. And Britton apparently told him that he's learned more about pitching being out there in the bullpen than he ever had before, and the reason was because he had to watch a lot of the game, and then he had to be alert because he could have been brought in at any moment, and he had to think about how the starting pitcher, or the pitcher that was in at the time, approached that hitter, and he would talk about it with the other guys in the bullpen, and that's really made him
0: grow as a pitcher we've talked about this before with Britton. He's almost acted like a hurler before where he just kind of throws it up there and just says, I'm hoping for the best. I think
1: this really goes back to that whole Weaver development of pitchers thing where you bring a guy up and you let him cut his teeth in the bullpen, and then you bring him into the starting rotation. And you're talking about
0: it's time to it bring It can also be that Dom Sheedy has some really good stuff out there.
1: You're saying, you know, we got to bring
0: up Gosman because he's the
1: real deal. He's got to be in the starting rotation.
0: Mm, I'm not saying he's the real deal. It's the question of is he better than what we currently have in the rotation?
1: I wonder if we need to go back to that formula of bring a guy into the bullpen, mm-hmm. let him learn about pitching. Sure. Let him get some efficient innings under mm-hmm. his belt. Let
0: him grow some confidence before you put him into a starter's role. Well, I mean, let's give consideration to one of the topics I brought up with Steve Molesky in one of our episodes. And it was, okay, we've got a bunch of pitchers here that are pitching, you know, five to six innings. We really need to have the multi-inning pitcher here. Um, You know, let's look at Sunday's start. Miguel Gonzalez goes four and a third. If you could have had a player come in and pitch three innings there, that would have been a huge benefit for the bullpen. And also you could have basically turned the game around there. You know, if Britain or Mattis or let's just say Gossman could have came in and pitched three innings there, that would have been, you know, absolutely huge. I'm going to come back to TJ McFarland. Let's go back to Hibaldo Jimenez's start where he pitched six innings and TJ McFarlane came in and pitched three more innings on top of it and really it saved the bullpen on that one Friday night. Relievers that are able to go two or three innings is a huge boost and benefit to the bullpen, but also starting rotation pitchers, they're only going to be able to go five to six innings. And this is nothing new from, you know, the Orioles are not the only one that are suffering this fate. There are plenty of other teams that are suffering the similar fate. It's just that we've seen this happen far too often and it needs to stop, not just this year, but we've seen it last year as well. You know, it's interesting. Clay Sowers, is it Sowers? S A
1: U E R S. -S 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 Kay Sowers, ESR on Twitter. You was, watched your report. was yes. ranting. And I, I say ranting, and I don't mean that negatively, but he was going to town saying, The Orioles bullpen isn't overused. The Orioles bullpen is not overtaxed. Look at all these other clubs that have more innings being uh, doled out by their bullpen than the Orioles. You're right. And we the Orioles about, are not in the worst condition. We talked about that. We, the Orioles were like 20th. Right. I, I will say that he's he's got a point that there are other teams that are that are in worse shape than the Orioles. But I think that just goes back to what
0: you just said, which is that the
1: Orioles aren't the only club in this situation. One of the things that Buck Showalter said recently that I thought was really interesting, again, this comes back to something that I, I heard while watching the Mason broadcast, is that Buck Showalter has said that he thinks that guys like Steve Pierce and Ryan Flaherty are going to become incredibly important to major league clubs because he views adding a 13th man to the bull, you know, to the pitching staff and an eighth reliever as an inevitability, right? Because the starters can't go longer. There's so many specialists. You have to use more pitchers and guys that can be versatile on the bench in what will have to become a three man bench are going to become incredibly valuable. Hmm. And I think that goes to show that, You know, maybe we're seeing a change in the tide of the way baseball is played. You know, maybe we are getting to the point where we are uh, making specialists too early, where we're not demanding enough of our pitchers early on, where they're not getting used to being able to throw, you know, 100, 120, 130 pitches, where we simply are getting to the point where you're going to have one Verlander. And 300 Miguel Gonzalez.
0: Well, it's like Jim Palmer says. It's like, we've been babying these pitchers for too long. We just need to let go out, let them go out there and see what they can do.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's really interesting to see what happens. We've danced around it. Scott, I'm going to ask you straight up. Is Buck going to bring up another reliever? Okay. Is he going to replace a reliever? Is he going to go short and bench? Or is he going to replace somebody in the starting rotation? What do you
0: think? Go. Well, Taking the fact that the Orioles scratch TJ McFarlane from his Norfolk start, I think that answers the question of TJ McFarlane will be coming up for this team in the near future. Um, I, You know, there's plenty of people that are going to come back and say, you know, we should take Gonzo out of the rotation and we should put in like a Britton or a Mattis or TJ McFarlane or a Steve Johnson and let them have a chance to prove their merit. Miguel Gonzalez was a minor league pitcher when we first picked him up. This is kind of what we expected. We didn't, we shouldn't have expected anything more than that. Uh, you know, but you look at, you know, his performances in 2012 and 2013, and they actually are pretty good. ERR wise, they're very good. You know, you look at their FIP, it's not terrible. It's exactly what you'd expect from a number four or number five starter. I don't know if Britton or Mattis or McFarlane or Steve Johnson is going to be any better.
1: Do you think that we have a responsibility to find out? Or do you think we have a responsibility to stick with Gonzo and see, uh, you know, Gonzalez, Chen, Obaldo Jimenez, right. Bud Norris, insert starter here. Wow. Do you think we have a responsibility to find out if the other guys have something or if the guys that are currently in the
0: top five can stick it out? I think we've already seen enough of McFarland and Steve Johnson to show that they don't have the ability to come in and dominate in the majors as starters. And Gosman and Britton? Um, you mean Britton and Mattis? No, I mean Gosman and Britton. Uh, okay, like Gosman and Britton. Gosman definitely hasn't had enough of a track record for me to say, no, there's no way. Britton, I'm still the opinion of, I don't want to move Britton out of the bullpen this time. I think he is an incredible asset. And I'm going to go back to the same thing with Brian Mattis. I think Brian Mattis is an incredible asset in that bullpen to be able to not just come in and be a lefty specialist— but to also be able to pitch multiple innings. I think that's just a huge benefit for this bullpen.
1: I agree with you wholeheartedly, and I'm I'm simply trying to play devil's advocate here. You've got Zach Britton, who's proved efficient in the bullpen. Maybe he's made a recovery and he can be a starter, and if you have to replace him with somebody in the rotation, what what about a guy like Miguel Gonzalez who can hold down a lineup for four innings, right. but once you go beyond that four and get to four and a third, four and two-thirds, that's when things start falling apart.
0: Fair point. The same thing can be said about Zach Burton, though. Zach Burton had the same issues before where he'd be okay for our first two or three innings and then all of a sudden would fall apart in the dreaded fifth inning or sixth inning that Orioles fans fear oh so dearly.
1: Oh, I think it's an excellent point, and I think that as we get into this conversation, it's so easy to pretend that we know more than Buck Showalter, we know more than Dom Chidi, we know more than Dave Wallace, we know more than uh, Dan Ducat. The thing is we don't, and I'm not sure that we have enough data from any of these guys. Yes, Scott, I just used the word data. I'm not oh sure that we God. have enough from these. Oh my God, you said it. I don't know that we have God. enough from these players this season to, <laughs> make, it, to make it to make a determination.
0: Okay. Um you know, let's look at innings pitch per game. Um I'm gonna go through Do we have to? Yes, yeah, so we're gonna go through the three, four, five pitchers. uh we in China is right now pitching five point six six inning uh, innings pitch per game. Bud Norris is pitching 5.84 innings pitch per game. And Gonz is pitching 5.033 innings pitch per game. So I'm going to look at options that we have. One individual that Steve Molesky mentioned on episode 74 was Mike Wright. So far in Norfolk, he has a 2.86 ERA, a 1.27 whip, a 2.75 strikeout per walk, and giving only up 8.3 hits per nine innings. Not to mention, Mike Wright has pitched to a 5.62 innings pitch per game as well. So we should look at that and say 5.62 to Gonzo's 5.033. He has got a better whip. He's got a better strikeout per walks. He's got a better ERA. What's the issue here? Well, I think the issue is that he's gotten all that against AAA hitters. Exactly. Thank you. If you look at Miguel Gonzalez's 2012 and 2013 numbers, Miguel Gonzalez's 2012 and 2013 numbers, he has pitched to a 5.8 eight, three innings pitch per game through those two years. I am much going to give much more credence and possibility to 2012 and 2013 than a five or six game sample size so far in 2014. We were the fans out there that said, we just need to wait till Obama Jimenez gets to May. He's going to turn it around. I'm not ready to pull the trigger yet on you know ripping Gonzo out of the bullpen. I'm not to say that can't happen in the future. But right now is we're not, not there yet. right now is not the time. If it were me, I let it develop some more. I want to see Mike Wright keep doing what he's doing in Norfolk. He definitely has the possibility of coming up. But similarly, I want to see Gossman come back and I want to see if he can continue to do the work. I also want to see if Gamboa continues to do the work as well. Gamboa right now is pitching to a five innings per game, uh, innings pitch per game. He would be a very interesting person in the rotation, but not just in the rotation. But in the bullpen as well as being that long reliever, it, I can't imagine the havoc that it could wreck of saying, okay, we're going to have a starting pitcher. Okay, now you're going to have a knuckleball come in for three or four innings and all of a sudden throw knuckleballs. Oh, and then after this guy comes in, we're going to bring Tommy Hunter in for the ninth inning, and now you're going to have to catch up to a 99-mile-per-hour fastball. Absolutely. Um. So we talked about the 40-man roster spot. There is an open spot available. Mike Wright might fit that bill. Um. Or maybe the Orioles are holding it open and, you know, giving consideration to picking up someone off the waiver wire. I think based off of the information that TJ McFarland was, you know, scratched, I think we'll see TJ McFarland up here for probably a few weeks um, in, in the near future. You know, I think it's just something we need to play, but I don't think it's time to start playing rotation, you know, roster roulette and just kind of spinning and seeing who comes out of it. Let's give it some more time, Baltimore Orioles fans. I want to see how the rest of May develops. All right, now you mentioned
1: Rotation Roulette. You may be a gambler there, Scott Magnus. Let's uh, let's play another game. Let's see who won this week at Fantasy Boss. When it comes to twisting, I just got to keep insisting. Oh, baby, you should do swing comes a twist, and I just got to keep insisting on today. Hey, you are the king. Baby, you've got me beat
2: up and down inside, out and across. Oh, yeah.
1: But in the middle of the night, when the moon is shining bright, I are the boss.
0: Yes, Jake, I am the winner. This week, once again... God, I I hate this (sighs) version of this song. Winner. So, Jake, you went with the simplistic stat of RBIs, and I went with Nelson... I believe that's RSBI, but go ahead. I went with Nelson Cruz, and you went with... I thought you had actually went with Matt Wieters, but you actually went with Adam Jones. I did
1: select Adam Jones. I thought he was due for a big bounce-back week. Um. Wow.
0: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Bad move, sir. He he did not have a bounce back week. No, he did not. Um, you know, I'm going to give you a tip of the cap, though, in this segment. I'm going to take the 3-2 league with no asterisks. No asterisks, you win. But you did have a great tweet and said, Nelson Cruz is slow trying the bases because of the other 24 guys on his back. Well done, sir. I just also want to point out that the home run that he hit into the left field third deck in the Twins game on Friday night was a moonshot. It was ridiculous. It was a moonshot. So, Jake, um, with that, I am going to go with a stat that I think you're going to love. I doubt it, but go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with a stat for one of our pitchers, and it's going to be um, first pitch strikes thrown.
1: Oh, okay. I got this. Okay.
0: So it basically, there's a stat in Sabermetrics that basically just looks at it and basically says this is the amount of percentage of first pitch strikes you threw. So you can pick any pitcher you want. It could be a reliever. It could be a starter. Who are you going to go with?
1: Well, let me uh, let me stop you right here. Yeah. It probably behooves us to, to
0: select a, a starter because you're going to have more chances at the first pitch. Not necessarily. You might want to go to with a reliever that has a limited arsenal but always goes for the first pitch strike. All right. Um,
1: I am gonna go. Okay. Jesus, terrible. I'm gonna go with Miguel Gonzalez. Oh my god!
0: <laughs> Instant win for me.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna go with Miguel Gonzalez because I think he did do a pretty good job presenting a first pitch strike, even oh well, at least for the first four innings. And uh, you know, I like our guys. Okay. I'm, I'm sticking
0: with Miguel Gonzalez. All right. I'm going with Darren O'Day. Of course you would, because you want to win. Yes, of course I do. But yes, I'm going with Darren O'Day because I think Darren O'Day has a very good first strike percentage. So I'm going with Darren O'Day, you're going with with Miguel Gonzalez, who will, (laughs) sorry, that's absolutely hilarious that you Uh, would pick that. You will. I will own this. So with that, Jake, I think it's time that we get into the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes, folks, it's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, Jake, I'm going to start it off this week. My good is going to come right back to the individual that I picked last week for Fantasy Boss. It's Nelson Cruz and his moonshots. He truly is, you know, one-third of the offense on this team with Matt Wieters and Nick Markakis. And He was the only guy who seemed interested in winning this no, week. No, 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 no. Mar- Nick Marcakis and Matt Weeders had very good weekends, too. So, you know, but Nelson Cruz... You know, he is hitting the long ball just like Chris Davis did last year. I think we look at Chris Davis's numbers and we look at Nelson Cruz's numbers from last year. Nelson Cruz is having a banner year. Sure is. All right, my
1: good for this week is Ibaldo Jimenez. I'm really hoping that this Ibaldo Jimenez is the one that shows up for the rest of the season. I don't want to fall into the trap of saying, oh, he's back because he's had one good start. But it was a pretty good start.
0: Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, it was a good start. It's a good sign to see. He was also the only Orioles pitcher this way through this part of the way through the rotation that had what more than a five and a third innings pitched. Wolf. All yeah. right, my good for this week is a ball to Jimenez. What do you have for bad? Uh, my bad for the week is going to go with your fantasy ball segment, which was Adam Jones. Adam Jones batting in the number four hole is an absolute travesty. There is no way that Adam Jones should be batting in the number four hole. Yes, I realize that Chris Davis is on the DL, but he should not be in the number four hole. Please, please, Nelson Cruz in the number four hole and put Adam Jones, I guess at the, I guess in the number three hole for the time being, as we talked about. The number three hole actually isn't as important, according to you know research from the book. So Adam Jones number three spot, Nelson Cruz number four spot, Matt Weider's number five spot. Moving on. All right, my bad for this week. My bad is Jonathan
1: Scope. Look, Jonathan Scope is just not getting it done at the plate. And it's nice that Jonathan's been moved from third base to second base where he can actually contribute at a high level, where he can play a position that he's, well, he's been playing in the minors all this time that we've been trying to race him to the majors so that he can actually give us something, something that Brian Roberts couldn't, something that Ryan Flaherty couldn't. But the problem is, is that that glimmer of hope that we had for Jonathan Scope actually producing at a major league level offensively, we just haven't seen thus far. Jonathan Scope is a rally killer. Jonathan Scope is mini-me to Adam Jones as far as swinging at those pitches. He's he's just, well, this week he's bad. In 12 at-bats, two hits. Two hits. A
0: 167 average, not good. Um, Jake, I'm gonna to go to my ugly. My ugly this week is going to be 50 pitch first innings. That was really ugly. <laughs> no one wants to see a 50 pitch first inning. Not to mention, it's not so much you know, terrible that Chris Tillman had a 50 pitch first inning, but it was the plate discipline of the Pittsburgh Pirates and the lack of it of the Baltimore Orioles the following half inning. Just, just makes you go, Guh! Watching the Pirates continually foul balls off and work you know, full counts and get on base and walk and runs, and you're just looking and you're like, why can't the Orioles do that? I mean, wouldn't you just... Can you ever imagine the Orioles having a 50-pitch inning? I can't imagine it at
1: all. I can I can imagine them seeing 50 pitches over the course of three or four
0: innings. Yes. So, 50-pitch innings, you're unnoticed. 50-pitch <laughs> innings for
1: Orioles starters, you're on notice. Yes. All right, my bad for this week. Scott, my bad is fate. Oh, cruel fate. Why would you do this? pucks on you. Why would you do this to me, cruel fate? All right, of course I'm talking about the single admission doubleheader. Why? Why would we have a single admission doubleheader scheduled on the one day of the week I could not go to baseball games? Look, I had something going on. I couldn't go for any reason. There was no way I could go on Thursday. So not only did we have one game instead of none on the off days, we had two. And anybody who's listening to my voice probably knows what, how desperately in love I am with the single admission doubleheader. It is a throwback to a far bygone era, a time when baseball desperately needed the single admission doubleheader to drum up business. Obviously, it's gone. The single admission doubleheader exists only as a scheduling emergency but it is one of the intricacies of baseball, the idiosyncrasies of baseball, that makes it a beautiful game. Scott, you can go to a single-admission doubleheader and watch six-plus hours of baseball. You can be in that perfect place, Camden Yards, to watch them prep the field. You can watch the media shuffle in and out of the, the press box. You can watch the ushers prepare their section. You can soak up everything that goes into... Making a baseball game happen, making an Orioles game happen, that you don't get to see on a regular day, yeah. you you literally get to take it all in, and I couldn't go. Why, cruel fate? Why?
0: I, th- I think it's called a wife.
1: It wasn't just that. It was it was a <laughs> lot. It was a lot of factors on Thursday. So my bad. My ugly this week. It's Sarah English. Cruel fate <laughs> for this week that would not. Align the stars such that I could attend the rare single admission
0: doubleheader. I think we were both in this boat of I was in a conference in Florida, so I was unable to attend. And the closest baseball that had to me was Tropicana Stadium. I had a work thing going on, and you had a work thing going on. So, you know, darn work, darn work indeed. So, Jake, we're gonna, you know, close things up, we're gonna, you know, Bring this podcast to an end. We're going to blow the save, and I promised people. You know, we basically had offered the Twitter tickets. Um, The the contest was I was going to give four tickets out to people and say two of these are going to go to you, and then two of them are going to be to me and Jake, and we're going to go to the Orioles game with you. So this is what we're going to do, Jake. Since you're such an individual that loves to sing and create lyrics. I'm going to ask our Twitter followers to make recommendations for songs that they would like us to sing on this podcast. That is such a bad idea, Scott. Stop it right now. Anybody that makes the recommendation on our Twitter feed, at Bird's will be entered into the contest. And we will give away the tickets to the song that we want to sing on the next episode. This is horrific. You are a monster, <laughs> sir. <laughs> There's so a with- reason you didn't clear this with me first. Yes, it is. So with that, I think we're going to close things out. Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you a fond adieu, adieu. Good night,
1: Baltimore.
2: You're still here? It's over. Go home.
1: Go.